Blog Talk Radio. All right, everybody. I got uh, this is Joseph Gibson here, podcasting live, restoring our republic. And I'm about ready here to connect Dr. Peter Ventura. I think I got him muted or unmuted here. And he's going to be teaching the book of Daniel tonight. He'll be teaching for the first 60 minutes, and after that, we'll do the second half of the show where we talk about the economy and the New World Order and Israel and probably a lot of other things. So there's Dr. Peter Ventura. Go ahead there, Doctor. Can you hear me? Good evening, folks. I'm glad to have you uh, join us tonight at uh, Sound Doctrine. And uh, we're grateful that you could join us. We're sorry about last Tuesday night. We had a... Uh, uh, technical difficulty, which happens sometimes, but we want to thank Joseph Gibson for allowing us to use this platform tonight to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're in the book of Daniel. We got down to chapter 4, <clears throat> all the way down to verse 31, and uh, if you have your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 4, if you remember Dan, uh, Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and that dream he couldn't get anybody to interpret. And so God gave Daniel the wisdom to do it. And Daniel, when he got this dream and when he understood the dream, he was astonished and it scared him. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar told him, don't be afraid. But he said, you know, it's to your enemies. It's not to you, king. And then when you get over to uh, verse number, oh, Daniel's going to give the interpretation of this in verse 24. Uh, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. And that's a small L, uh, Lord. Uh, that they shall drive thee from men. Okay? Uh, that they shall drive thee from men. Now, uh, that means, you know, they're going to, he's a king, and uh, but he says, that they will drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree uh, roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by shewing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. And so there's Daniel's interpretation of the dream. And uh, let's have a prayer. Father God, we're bowed down before you. Uh, We're separated, many of us, by uh, miles, but not by the Holy Spirit. And, God, we ask you that you would give us the revelation and the understanding of the scriptures tonight, your holy scriptures, Lord, and that by knowing and learning this book of Daniel, Lord, that we'll be able to see things that we didn't know, that we'll be able to understand the book of Matthew and the book of Revelation much better. And, Holy Father, we ask you to keep every foul and unclean spirit out and not to interfere with this broadcast in any way or the understanding of those that are listening. For this thy people have come to hear you and not me, Lord. So please set me aside my flesh and, and have it, Lord, so that you're glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we, we get down to verse 31, and uh, you find that Nebuchadnezzar, you know, actually in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar is, is walking around sometime after this, and, and all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. It tells us this actually happens to him. 
And verse 29 says, at the end of 12 months, this is 12 months later, he's walking in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And, you know, again, Babylon had the hanging gardens, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it was an amazing thing. He had built them for his wife, and they were hanging gardens. And it was like a mountain within the city. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar the king spake in verse 30 and said, Is not this great Babylon? And that's what he said. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? I mean, there's pure pride here. And, and while the world was in, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, "O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken: the kingdom is departed from thee." And so, you know, he thought it was the beginning of his good days. Twelve months later, he'd forgotten all about that dream, and 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 it's just how it's going to happen, you know, in the world. Scripture says in the to the New Testament saints in chapter five of. 1 Thessalonians, verse number 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Amen? And so uh, here it is. He thinks this is peace and safety, and uh, Thessalonians talking about the day of the Lord. But the Jew and the Arab, you know, they're not going to fight anymore. You know, when the man of peace shows up during the uh, tribulation, and uh, But then all of a sudden, bam, you know, it's going to happen. And so while the word was in thy, the king's mouth, in verse 31, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom has departed from thee. Just like that rich man. If you remember the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verse 19 and 20, and uh, he said, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease and eat, drink and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know, amen. You know, I've had a little experience with that. I had my own brother was a very intelligent man, a very wealthy man. And, uh, you know, my mother said to him, Listen, son, uh, don't build up when you get older, you build down. But he decided he was going to build this mansion, you know, with this uh, grand stairway in it. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful, beautiful place. And uh, he got done, and he and he was admiring it. And then you know what happened? Thou fool. <laughs> the Lord took his life. Uh, he ended up with brain cancer, and he was gone, age 52. You know, so, he, you know, you can't put your trust in material things it, it's it's the god that you need to trust verse 32 says and they shall drive thee from men this is in daniel chapter 4 verse 32 and they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and seven times shall pass over thee until thou knowest that the most high rulest in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will you know you know, people say, you think your vote doesn't count. Well, God's given us free will and vote, but I want you to know something. God gives the kingdoms to whom he will. And the lesson that you and I need to know tonight about that is this. We look at America today, and we look who our leaders are, and we look at the condition of our country, and the one thing you can learn from that Old Testament, and the Bible says they were written to 
be end samples for us. Not examples, but end samples. And an end sample is not an example. An example of Coca-Cola would be Pepsi, but an end sample would be give me some Coke, I'm going to give you a taste of the real thing, I'm going to give you Coca-Cola, not Pepsi, and that's an end sample, and that's part of the real thing, amen? And so those things written in the Old Testament are for our admonition, they're end samples, and you know what? We could learn, if we just study the Old Testament, what happened to the nation of Israel. Every time they got away from God, God gave them a king to rule over them who was whom they deserved. And that's what's happened to the United States of America. We got the people we deserve because Christians have failed to stand up and to take a stand. And that's shame on them pastors because that's who it belongs to. It has to be passed to the pastors for not preaching it, not teaching it. You know, there was a time when even the Constitution was taught in churches. Dartmouth, Yale, and uh, all these other colleges, these these Ivy League colleges, and by the way, that's the Ivy League. That's their league now. That's their buying. The Ivy League, our buying is Jesus Christ, you know. But you see what happened. All those were designed, those colleges were Christian colleges for the production of Christian men and ministry. And look at where they are today. And that's far for the course of the whole United States of America, you see. And so we got what we deserve. And, and if we want the right leaders in our country, then, then the Christians in this country need to get right. They need to get on their knees. They need to get their hearts right, because when your heart's right, God will hear your prayers for the country. Amen? And so here's Nebuchadnezzar, and verse 33 of Daniel chapter 4 says, The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and he did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird claws. He was reduced to the state of an animal for seven years. He looks, he acts, he smells, he eats, and he thinks like an animal. And that's what God did to him because of his pride. And remember, pride is what brought Lucifer down. He said, I will be like the Most High. I will rise above the throne of God. I Five times he said, I will. And God said, no, you won't. You'll be cast down. So tonight, you and I can sit here and we can learn a few lessons right now about Nebuchadnezzar's experience. And if you have some spiritual wisdom, you'll pick up on this. Here's something you can learn. Insanity is sometimes a penalty for sinful conduct. And you'll find some people have a sin problem that they will never deal with, and it drives them crazy. Even Christians who won't deal with a sin problem, they don't want to deal with that part of their life. The second thing is the fitting punishment for pride is humility. God will humble a prideful person. The greatest, here's number three, the greatest prosperity is no guarantee against adversity. You can be the richest man in the world, but that doesn't guarantee that you'll never have a problem in your life. Number four, the greater the man, the greater the humbling process. Number five, when brute passions become the ruling power in a person's life, then you have to be humbled like a brute. If you live like an animal, then you'll have to be humble like an animal. Now, spiritual insanity, number six thing, is renouncing the power above the brute, which power is God. 
And when you renounce the takes from you that ability to praise him or give him glory, okay? And, you know, we see that in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, says, about these people, actually, listen, it says, because, verse 21 says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like the corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving. Now listen, here's the penalty. People living this homosexual and this lesbian lifestyle and this alphabet lifestyle are under the judgment of God, because here's what it says happens to them. And receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to that reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, full of murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Well, there we are, fellas, hey, ladies and gentlemen, brethren, folks, friends, there it is. That's the result. You, you live like an animal. Now, verse 34 of Daniel says, in chapter 4, And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar, you see, he found out that God is the true God. He's the God of gods, one amongst, you know, all, all the national gods and other gods, but greater than they, he's the king of kings and the revealer of secrets. He, he is a, he's still a, a, a Hebrew deity, but master of angels and a God who responds to faith. Remember the fiery furnace. And number three, he, he, he got the true appreciation for God, you see? And so, you know, things that we learn there where testings are finished when they accomplish their purpose. All right? No, another thing is praise and thanksgiving should be given to God for the mercy that he has shown us. You know, we, <clears throat> we Americans are spoiled to death. We have things. We collect things. We have more material things that we don't use than most people in the world have and wish they had. 
Uh, We've got stuff in our closets and in our drawers we haven't worn for two to three years, but we still got them. They're things, okay? And but the object of God in humbling a lost sinner is for the purpose of salvation. And the object of God humbling a Christian man or woman or boy or girl is for their own good, to bring them back to that place where now they have nothing to rely on but God, you see, because he is God indeed. Now, we get to verse 35, and we find that, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Well, why'd you do this, God? Who are you to do this? How come you're doing this? Listen, they, you, that's, that's improper behavior toward God. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 17, we read this. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than vanity. Nothing. Nothing. They're vanity. You know, uh, uh, the, the, the UN, the United Nations, is a drop in a bucket. And when we say a drop in the bucket, we're not talking about how much water's in that bucket. We're talking about the sound it makes. That's what God compares the world nations to him. It's just a drop in the bucket, okay? The army of heaven, it speaks of, well, that's the angelic host. You know, remember the power of an angel. Our problem isn't that we don't read our Bible. Our problem is that we don't believe our Bible. Because if you believed your Bible, you'd have some fear in your heart about coming before God and kneeling down in prayer and being grateful for the things that we have. We have fingers. There are people that are born without them. We have eyes we can see. We have ears we can hear. We can walk. There's people that are born crippled. And and we've been blessed. Amen? And we don't even thank God for them. We just take all that for granted like we were supposed to have those things. But all those things are blessings from God. But where did these defects come from? Well, they came from sin. Sin is the cause of the depletion of the gene pool. Now, the army of heaven are the angelic hosts. And you should know that in the Old Testament, one angel killed 185 human beings. One angel. And God has got a host of angels. And man thinks he's going to stand up to God. Lord have mercy. You know, and then he says this. Nebuchadnezzar called him the Lord of hosts. That's the Lord of Sabaoth. And none can stay his hand. You know, we, you, we can't stop God. Nobody can say to him, what does God? God doesn't have to answer to me or anybody else. Job tried that. When you get over to Job, he tried that. You get all the way down to Job uh, the 9. Well, actually, look at 42, verses uh, 12 and 13. God said to Job this. He said, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels. I mean, he had a trucking company. And you know what? He got blessed over and over even though he went through that trial. And Job is just a type of a Jew in the tribulation. He's in trial for 42 chapters, and and there's 42 months. But back over there in Job chapter 9, 
Look at verse 12. Job 9, verse 12. Listen, I don't want to give you just doctrine. I'm trying to give you something practical, too, to go with this lesson. 12 says, Behold, he taketh away, and who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? Amen. You know, when God asked Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? You think you're so smart? You're smarter than me? You know where I laid the foundations of the of the universe? Where were you when the sons of, sons of, of God sang with glory as he created the universe? You know, where were you? You're such a genius. You're going to question God. Now, listen, it's okay to, to wonder about things and to, but to come before God and say, hey, God, you can't do that. Why did you do this to me? Okay, well, sometimes uh, uh, God will answer you, but he doesn't have to. It's, it's not a must. I can't question God. He has an eternal purpose. I know that God said Jesus Christ is a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Adam and Eve didn't sin, and then God sat down and said, oh, boy, what am I going to do? No, God had a plan before that. It said Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the beginning, the end is written from the beginning. Amen? Now. Verse 36, let's move on here, of chapter 4. At the same time, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. You see, at the same time, he says, my reason was returned unto me. And so... His reason, his reason returned when? When did it return? When he looked in the right direction. He lifted up his eyes, you see. In verse 29 and 30, he was looking down. He thought he was everything. You see, he thought it was all about him. It, his, his reason returned when he spake the right words in verse 34. And I blessed the Most High and praised the Lord, you see. And number three, his, his reason returned when he had the right estimation of himself and other men. Mine honor and brightness returned unto me, he said, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. See, God can give you back what you have lost. Did you know that? God can give you back what you have lost. Jeremiah chapter 30. You know, there's, a, there's something in here very, very interesting in verse number 17. God said this, for I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. And God's talking about Israel. But I want you to know God said he can give you back the years that the canker worm ate. All right? And, and so uh, you get over to the book of Joel, I believe chapter 225, and the scripture says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Listen, God can restore your life, okay? God will humble you, but he will restore you. We've made choices in our lives, okay? Now, you look at that raven. God will use the ravens to get you where God knows where he wants you to be, but you don't want to be there. So you're going to go in your own direction because you have free will. But God's going to let you get there. 
And when you get there, God's going to open that door for you to go where he wants you to go. He's going to let you go where you want to go, but he's going to guide you to where he wants you. And so there's Elijah sitting by the river and by the stream there, and he's, he's being fed by ravens. You know ravens in the Bible. When Noah sent out that raven, he didn't come back, that scoundrel. He, he eats dead things. But the dove came back, you see, and ravens represent foul spirits. And yet God used those ravens to feed Elijah. And he will use the ravens of your life to help you get where you've got to go. But it requires your submission to God to realize that you're outside of the will of God. And then he can get you back where you need to be. Amen? And, and you know, I'll give you a short testimony. Uh, uh, I committed a crime, and uh, I spent uh, 26 years in prison. And God, one day, uh, my wife called me and said, my daughter-in-law and her husband, to renew their wedding vows in Connecticut, they're coming up here to visit us, and we'd like to go to this certain park. And I said, uh, what's the park? And they, she told me the name of it. And I said, I'll get back to you. And I got in my car, and I drove up to that park, and I sat there with tears in my eyes. And I said, God, why? Why would you bring me back here? Please help me to understand. This is where I committed a crime. And God said to my heart, Peter, I'm restoring the years that the canker worm ate. Amen? God can restore your life. You, you may not have the power to do it, but God can. Look at verse 37, chapter 4. God restores Nebuchadnezzar, and now Nebuchadnezzar says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You see, this idea, you're caught up in world philosophies. Have it your way. The Bible doesn't say to have it your way. It says you have it the Lord's way. My will, not thy will. Amen? You know, Burger King, have it your way. No, you better have it God's way. God only helps those that help themselves. Oh, yeah? Show me that one in the Bible. The Bible says, without me, Jesus, ye can do nothing. You came a long way, baby. Yes, she sure did. You remember the Virginia Slim commercials? Yeah, she came a long way. Her skirt went from her ankles up to her hips. You know, you're caught up in world philosophy. Get out of that world philosophy. Okay? Let's go on to extol, he says. That word extol in verse 37 means to lift up, to draw out, to produce honor onto a thing. And then he said, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Amen? And listen, God knows how to bring the prideful down to humble them. He knew how to. That was Satan's sin. He got prideful. And the Bible says that sin began in his heart, not in his environment. You know, I deal with a lot of prisoners, and they say, well, if I, I grew up in a bad environment. Hey, listen, Satan, Lucifer had a perfect environment. Sin began in his heart, not in his environment. Your environment is not your excuse. Your choices are your reason. Chapter 5, let's move on. Belshazzar, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Now, brethren, 68 years have gone by since Daniel was taken captive to Babylon, since Daniel arrived in Babylon in chapter 1. Daniel, he's about 80 years old now. 
And this is about 25 years later, this event, from chapter 4, which we just read. And so here we are in chapter 5, verse 1, uh, verse one says, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, the king. Kings of Babylon, okay? Nebuchadnezzar was the first king. And uh, 606 to 561, about 45 years he reigned. And there was another king that rose up named Evil Merodach. And he reigned from about 56, 561 B.C. to 560. He reigned for two years. And he was Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he was, a ne- he was assassinated by Nebuchadnezzar's brother-in-law. Okay? And, uh, <clears throat> and Evil... In Jeremiah 52, 31, this particular king, Evil Merodach, is mentioned. Now, then you have Neroglisser, which 559 to 556, he reigns four years, but he was killed in a battle. And then if you can pronounce this one, you're better than me. This fourth king is Laboro Torakot. He was the son of this previous king, Neroglisser, and he ruled less than a year. And uh, he he was uh, not a not a very smart man, and he was beaten to death. History tells us. And the fifth king was Nabonidus, sometimes called Nabonidus, and he reigned seventeen years. And he was married to the widow of Neraglissa, which made him a son-in-law to Nebuchadnezzar. All right, and uh, he reigns from about five five five. B.C. to about 538 B.C., really to the fall of Babylon. But Belshazzar, he was an adopted son who we're reading about in chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar the king. He was adopted son of Nabonidus and the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the vice regent of Babylon, and he shares the throne with his father. You see, in uh, Daniel 5, 7, it says the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, and we'll get there. And uh, he'd be the third ruler who, you know, explains, gets, has to have the explanation of writing on the wall. So this kind of fulfills what God said in Jeremiah 27, 7. And uh, let me go there for you in uh, Jeremiah 27. Remember, Jeremiah is the one that prophesied, you're going to Babylon, you're going to Babylon. And they said, no, we're not. And they threw him in a dungeon. Don't don't lie to us. And he said, no, I'm telling you, you're going to Babylon. But chapter 27 of Jeremiah, verse 7, says, And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of the land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. All right, and this is talking about what's going to happen to the kingdom of Babylon. So uh, we find out that uh, it gets kind of fulfilled. He's a son and the son of sons, and the wife of Neg- uh, uh, Neraglissar is probably his mother, who's Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, okay? So let us move on to... Uh, let me see here. Get my notes right. All right, so 
Verse 2, let's get down to verse 2 to 5. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels, which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Okay? Now, remember that in uh, uh, 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar went down and he took some people out of Israel. Then he goes back in 583, you know, and they, they took the vessels and all those things. And, and what a shame that is, okay, that they were able to, uh, you know, just desecrate the things of God. Now, verse 3 says, Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. Now, so here they are. They're going to have a party with the sacred items that God used in the temple that were blessed and holy. And they're drinking wines to their gods with it. And then a strange thing happens. In verse number 5, it says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster or plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. So in the same hour, all right? Now, back in Daniel chapter 5, we're going to find in uh, verses 2 and 4, they brought the vessels of Jerusalem into the party. The candlestick, it could have been one from the temple or the, a golden, or the golden candlestick. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. It appears that, that other people saw the words appear on the wall, but I, I don't know if they saw the hand. Verse 6 says, then the king's countenance was changed. Oh, his face changed then. And his thoughts troubled him. Joints of his loins were loose. Oops. And his knees smote one against another. Well, the party's over, my friends. Amen. The, 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 the king sobered up pretty quick. And, and, his, and his thoughts troubled him. You see? And, uh, uh, the, you know, he's in trouble. So that's the joints of his loins were loosed, incontinent. He, 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 he dirtied his pants. Uh, it, you know, a joint is like a knot, you know, and, and, and loins were loosed. His knees smote one against another. You know, his knees were knocking. And the king lost all his pride. His haughtiness went out before him. Proverbs says about pride. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. I have a friend who says, Proverbs, my father. His father had passed away. Proverbs 16, 18. The verse 18 says, Pride goes before a destruction and a haunty spirit before a fall. Amen. Verse number 7, Daniel 5, 7. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and shew me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet. Now, scarlet was a sign of wealth and dignity. And have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Well, that's pretty lofty. So the king cried aloud, bringing the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Okay, well, 
Isn't that funny? Because Isaiah had something to say about that. You read Isaiah chapter 47. Man, I'm telling you. Isaiah 47, verses uh, right down to 14, Scripture says, Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be shall be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sift before it. That's right. Go ahead. Keep reading your horoscopes. Keep going to palm readers. Keep listening to 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 the you know uh, Carl Sagan's and those guys. Keep listening to to you know Freud. You know, uh, listen. These people have no power when it comes to God. All that stuff trying to divine what's going to come to the future is going to come to nothing, the Lord said. It's just a bunch of foolishness. You remember back in Genesis 41, 39, and 42, Joseph and Pharaoh, a similar thing happened. And Joseph became the second ruler, a type of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And and in Daniel 5, 7, he's going to be the third ruler. So Daniel's going to be a type of the Holy Spirit. And Daniel's a type of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because look at verse 12 in Daniel 5. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding and interpretation of dreams and sheweth of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were, were found in the same Daniel whom the king named, you see, he was able to give that interpretation. And the Holy Spirit gives the interpretation of the scriptures of God. And the problem with my brethren is you don't know the power of God. You're living a weak life because you don't know the power of God. And if you knew the power of God, you'd know it because you knew the scriptures and the scriptures reveal the power of God. Whether you have much or whether you have little, God is still God. Amen? And so they said to him that, you know, he's able to give understanding. He's able to interpret the ministry. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And a gold chain is a type and it's a picture of deity. Now let's move on to verse 8. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. You see, because Genesis 40, verse 8 says, interpretations belong to the Lord. And this is the third time the magic men, the, the magi, you know, this is the third time they failed. They failed. Third, three times you think Nebuchadnezzar would learn something. These guys can't tell you anything. In First Corinthians one, verses nineteen and twenty, it's pretty clear. It says, "For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent." Where is the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer? The big debater of this world has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The wisdom of this world says, "Seeing is believing." God says, "No, believing is seeing." Verse number nine, King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. You know, God's kicking out the king's crutches out from under him, and God's taking away, you know, what 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 uh, uh, he thinks is, uh, you know, 
essays, all that. You see? Let's look at uh, verse number 10. You know, king, you know, the king's dependent. He's leaning on. He's trusting in men who can't help him. That's the problem. Five, verse number 10 of Daniel says, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy confidence be changed. Now this is the queen. It's not his wife. But it's the queen, it's the mother, it's his mother. And he's second ruler. He's ruling with Nabonidus. Remember, it's a co-regency who's his father. So the queen would be Nabonidus' wife, the king's mother. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy confidence be changed. She's saying there's a way for the mystery to be solved. And there's no reason to be alarmed. Well, she's only half right, okay? She's only half right. The queen. You know, to come before a king in those days, if you went before the king, you read in uh, Nehemiah, you go before the king, and Nehemiah was a cup holder, and he would have to taste the wine before, you know, the king drank out of it. And you better be happy when you get there, because a sad continence, the king could have you executed. Don't try and spoil his day. And you didn't walk up to a king. Uh, you know, Queen Esther did. She walked up and touched her finger to his scepter, and he accepted her, but he didn't have to. You get before the king and he didn't invite you. You're in trouble. All right? Verse 11, you're at his mercy. Now, verse 11 says, there is a man in thy kingdom. This is his mother speaking to him. In whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. See? She's a, she's a pantheist because she believes in more than one God. She said, whom? You know, the holy gods. And so she's a pantheist. And a pantheist is one who believes in many gods. But the spirit of the holy God is the Holy Spirit. And Paul said that Holy Spirit's in you, Christian. And sometimes the Bible teacher will say in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on people, and that's not necessarily true, because First uh, Peter 1, 10, and 11, in them, but the Bible doesn't say they were sealed, see, and we are sealed to the day of redemption. Now, Beishelzar's mother, she was able to distinguish between a holy and an unholy God, and if there are holy gods, then there must be unholy gods, just like holy angels and unholy angels, and, uh, you know, there's the elect angels, 1 Timothy 5.21, holy angels. And people today, they don't know as much about, as much as this woman does in 530 B.C. People today don't realize there are holy angels and unholy. They walk around. Even Christians today, you know, they got angel pins with wings and halos. And that's all foolishness. There, there is no woman angels. There are no angels in the Bible with wings. There are seraphim and cherubim. But an angel always appears as a man, and he never has wings. And in the days of thy father, she said, in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, and you know, as again, it's probably his grandson. A father in the Bible, by the way, can be a dad, 
can be a granddad, can be a great granddad. David, Solomon, Rehoboam, you know, and and, uh, so you look down that line. But let's move on. So Daniel said he had light and understanding, and light is the emblem of wisdom because it makes everything clear. You, you could see clear when you have light. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that Satan appears as an angel of light, and that light blinds people. And some people see some light, and they think it's good when it's not. You see? 1 John 4, 1 says this. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits whether they are of God Because many false prophets are going out into the world Listen, that's way back when When John wrote this That first uh, uh, epistle And there were spirits then They're still out here, my friends They didn't disappear Okay And uh, charismatics judged their experience By the Bible Instead of, you know When, when they should be uh, Let me say that again Charismatics judge the Bible by their experience when they should be judging their experience by the Bible. He says, try the spirits. Well, how do you try the spirits? You try the spirits by the scriptures. There are many men behind pulpits in this country claiming to be men of God who cannot rightly divide the word, do not know how to dispensate, tell you that people were saved the same way in the Old Testament as the New Testament. When in the Old Testament we have Faith and then faith plus works. In this age of grace, we're saved by grace without works, through faith. It's the gift of God. There's a difference, and things that are different are not the same. Amen? Now, there are seven characteristics I want you to see. Now, look at verse 12 in Daniel, chapter 5. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge, and understanding, interpretation of dreams, and shewing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he shall shew thee the interpretation. Now, there's seven characteristics here about Daniel that you can note, and he's a type of the Holy Spirit, because he's going to become the third ruler, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's in type of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he has an excellent spirit. Number two, he has knowledge. Number three, he has understanding. Number four, he can interpret dreams. Number five, he can uh, showing of hearts sentences. All right? You, in scripture, sometimes scripture is tough, and we need to understand the Holy Spirit gives us that. He dissolves a doubt. The Holy Spirit gives us insurance. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And he can show this interpretation. Now, verse 13 says, Then was Daniel brought in before the king. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel which are of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? Art thou that David? You know, he might have heard about Daniel, not only from his mother, but he didn't know Daniel by sight. And that word Jewry, used in reference to the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The ten northern tribes, you know, they they already were carried into captivity by the Assyrians. Now let's look at verse 14. I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, 
and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. Well, well, how about that? You see? Look at verse 16. And I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold and around thy, about thy neck, and thou shalt be the third ruler in, thy, in the kingdom. All right? Scarlet. That's the adornment of a king. A chain of gold represents deity, gold in the Bible. The third ruler, a type of the Holy Spirit, and he's offering Daniel a position of royalty. He's going to let him be the third ruler. And that's a, that's a big offer. But, uh, but, you know, in about two minutes, you're going to find out it's all done, really. It, well, you know, it, let's look into verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, thy gifts be to thyself. Okay, Daniel said, hey, look, you need to keep your gifts and give thy rewards to another and give the rewards to another. Hey, Daniel doesn't want to do something godly and accept get paid for it, okay? He, he's that kind of guy. When, I, when, when our folks go out from the church and we hand out tracts on the street, we're trying to win souls. And if somebody comes to us and says, look, we would like to give a donation to your church, we don't take it. We tell them, send it to the church. We don't want people saying that we're out there for the wrong reason, that we're just out there handing out tracts for money, because that's how the devil will use it, okay? Amen? And so Daniel, he's saying, now, you know, I'm not going to – I'll give you the interpretation, but you keep your stuff, all right? And so in verse 17, he says, yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. Yeah, haven't you heard all your life people say, what, you can't read the writing on the wall? Well, this is where it came from. It's biblical. There's nothing new under the sun. You're not going to discover anything new. Okay? So Daniel, he rejects the king offer. He's not looking for a reward. And what good would they do him anyway? You see? You know, it's like Nahum offered a reward to Elijah. Gehazi lies, right? And what did he do? He got leprosy for, for being a deceiving. He lost the opportunity to be a prophet. And Elijah served Elijah, and Elijah became a prophet in Elijah's stead, and probably Gehazi, who, you know, he would have been a, a prophet in Elijah's stead, but he lost it by being greedy. See, temptation even in the ministry today, men are tempted and they become greedy, and you need to say no, because there can be strings attached, and you won't be able to, you know, to, to be God's man. If strings are attached, some people think in the church and that that because they're giving uh, an X amount of dollars and they have a great pay wage and have a great tithe that that they have to say on how the church runs and they forgot that it's God that runs the church, not them. Times you know the pastor's wife can get out of control and think she's running the church. You know yet you know these things are. You have to be careful when money's involved in things in the church. You have to be God-honoring with a God conscience. Now, verse 18 says, O thou king, the most high, God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory 
and honor. See, Daniel's telling them, you know, your grandfather's kingdom was established by God, and it was the Lord that blessed him and the Lord that prospered him. You see, the idea is you, pal, are denying the God that blessed your grandfather and put your grandfather in power. Verse 19 says, And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would he slew, and whom he and whom he would set up, and whom he would put down. See? He's an absolute dictator, a monarch. And he didn't have to get permission from any Congress, any Senate, any Republican or any Democrat or Independent, you see? And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is going to reign the same way. Absolute dictatorship and monarchy in the millennium reign. He says he will reign with a rod of iron. Verse number 20. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. Remember, he was sent out there to eat like a beast. And they took his glory from him. See, his sin was pride. And, and it makes a man get a false appearance of himself. And pride makes a man exalt himself. It hardens his mind and it hardens his heart against God. And his mind is hardened in pride. It says he deposed him, you see, deposed. Deposed means to remove from office or a position. Let's look at verse 21, moving right along here now. Verse 21 says, And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with dew of heaven, Till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that He appointed it, uh, He appointed over it whomsoever He will. See, He was driven from the sons of men, and His heart was made like a beast. He's a type of Antichrist, and we're going to see that because we're going to get to in Daniel chapter seven. We're going to learn about that beast and that man, and and then we're going to learn in verse twenty-three of Daniel chapter seven that the beast has a kingdom, kingdom, and Nebuchadnezzar has a man, he's a man-beast in that sense. And that was, that's what Antichrist is. He's a beast and a king. And then he says, until he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that, and you know what? He says that God appointed whomsoever he will over it. And so Nebuchadnezzar had learned his lesson. And even Satan only has power over the kingdom of earth because God allows him to. You see? And Matthew, remember when Jesus is tempted and Satan says, I'll give you all these kingdoms? Well, God takes it back in Revelation 11, 11, chapter 15, and God allows Satan to rule just like God allows anyone to rule. Amen? Now look at verse 22. But has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of this of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. See, he's guilty. He's guilty of the same sin as his grandfather, pride. You see? And you know who, who's 
Job 41, 31 says that Satan's the, he has children, and he's the king of all the children of pride, and all those who are lost, and every man who has a problem with pride. And he says, though thou knowest all this. See, Belshazzar is accountable because he knows all this. He knows. And spiritual death, well, when a person understands he has broken the laws of him against God, what happened? You know, Paul Paul said he was born with a sin nature, but he didn't die spiritually until when? He knew the law. Then he became accountable to God. Verse 23. Okay? Uh, so he said, he lifted up thyself against the Lord. Again, pride. He lifted up himself. And thou hast praised the gods of silver, of gold, of brass. And that will match the image in Daniel chapter 2. We studied that image. And with two more added, wooden stone. Now, and the gods in whose hand thy breath is. You see, you, you, you breathe because God lets you. And when God doesn't want you to breathe, you won't take another breath. Amen? Thy breath, his life. Your breath is in God's hands. And whoso are all thy ways, he said. Everything you do, God knows about and God sees. Hast thou not glorified? You know, Daniel went all the way back to his grandfather. And, uh, and you know, he told him about his grandfather. You see? You see, the the things you have to understand here is that uh, he says, you know all these things. Even though your grandfather had known God, you knew these things, and you still haven't glorified God. Even though you knew all this, you went ahead and you did it, and you did the foolishness anyways. And the first step to apostasy is not glorifying God. Verse 24 and verse 25 says, Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Meany, meany, tika, upharsin. Amen? All right? So the soothsayer, the wise men, and the astrologers couldn't read that writing. It was written in Hebrew. It was written right to left, vertically, in three lines, okay, instead of horizontally. Now look at verse 26. This is the interpretation of the thing. God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Woo! God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. You see, you know, a man, a nation, has an appointed number of days upon the earth. God that numbereth the kingdom and finished it. Verse 26, this is the interpretation of the thing, meaning, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Time's up. That's what he's telling them. Okay? God knows, you know, this man, he didn't get it. But the message is your time's up. Your kingdom time is up and you have failed. Time's up. No time to repent now. Remember, Moses said, teach us to number our days. Amen? The days of our years are three score and ten. They're in Babylon 70 years. Look at verse 27, and I'm going to wrap this up because I've got one minute. Verse 27 says, Tiki, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Well, what are the balances? They're God's balances, you see, a pair of scales. 
and the balance of God are laid out. And the world tries to outweigh good over evil. And God puts on one side God, and on the other side, you know, God and his word, and on the other side is a man, a church, a kingdom. And you and I and those things cannot measure up to God. A man always comes up out. I'm not that bad. And and you know what? And so-and-so is worse than me. And I never did that. But, you know, God's going to weigh it. And he's going to weigh it out fair. Because man is going to come up short when he weighs himself against God. And so he's going to make up his own standard, which is be his religion. He'll say, as far as my religion is concerned, I'm all right by the golden rule. Maybe a moral code. Always been faithful. Never robbed a bank. You know, they measure themselves. Or they say, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll I'll put uh, someone on the other side. Hey, I measure up pretty good. You can't measure up the God's standards weights. And so you can't make up one either. And then that final word, Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now, that's the singular. Perez is the singular form of Eupharsin. The part of Daniel is written in Aramaic, but the writing on the wall is Hebrew. And so you can't see it when it's translated into English. Babylon, Israel's probably 175 years before it takes place. Near and future prophecy. All right? The near prophecy is Daniel 5, and the future would be Revelation 18. And so Daniel gets rewarded in verse 29 for telling the kingdom is going to be destroyed. Strange, huh? He gets rewarded. And then verse 30 and 31, the king of Babylon, the city of Babylon, you know what? It's taken by Cyrus by decree about God in about 175 years prior, 1712 B.C., see, which it happens in 538 B.C. And so 175 years prior to Cyrus coming on the scene, God calls him by name in Isaiah 44, and we'll cover that more, okay? We'll cover that more because this is God's decree. 175 years prior to Cyrus being king, God had already told him that Cyrus was going to let the Jews go back to Israel. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. We'll finish those last three verses. And we've run out of time. I hope that you were edified. I hope that you were blessed. And I hope that you uh, learned some things, not only about uh, um, Scripture and interpretation, but I, I'm hoping that God has blessed you in a special way tonight. And we're going to get into some heavy things here and some future stuff, especially when we get up into, you know, uh, Daniel and, and we get into those 70th week. But right now, you know, we get up on Daniel chapter 9. But right now we have to end, and I want to pray out for you all. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful, Lord, that you've given us this opportunity to come before you and to study the word. And we ask you, God, that you would bless those who uh, are listening and that you would comfort their hearts that we come together again on Tuesday. And may these things resonate in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Peter, I got someone who sent me a letter who's uh, been obviously listening. 
because uh, you know we got several people that have been following now and listening. Because I know some, you know, other people. If you want to go, go ahead and go. But if somebody sent a letter that's been listening, and uh, so it's, it's not that long. But uh, I, I want to read it to you. Uh, you know, and, and it covers a lot of the stuff that uh, a lot of things that are, are are being said that have been said or taught. So I want to read that and uh, see what, what 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 your interpretation is of it and or 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 what what your take of it is. Um, let's see here. Let me just pull it up here real quick. Everybody, just be patient, please. We're live, live podcast. So, and we'll be restoring. This is restoring the republic. And uh, if you don't know what my show is about, usually we talk about the new world order, the government, uh, you know, things, the Federal Reserve, uh, the economy, a lot of things that are happening to us today, um, and why and why are these things happening today? And Peter, Peter, it kind of coincides with what Peter. Um, was teaching here from the Bible because I'm I'm a I believe rightly dividing the Word of God and and uh, comparing Scripture with Scripture and you know and but there's so many people out there who have so many opinions now and we're so divided amongst each other and 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 really really when we look if we really think about it we're not that far off it's just our own selfishness and our own pride and our own way, silly way of thinking is what really divides us the most because we're in each other's business so much. We can't. We have no respect for each other. So anyway, this is what uh, this individual wrote real quick. He said, "A quick lesson for Christians on Israelites, Jews, so-called so-called white supremacy, and the nation of state of Israel. The Israelites were not Jews. Jews, Jews are not Israelites. I am an Israelite. My family tree is primarily from the tribes of of, of Reuben, Judah, Germany, and Dan in Ireland, and the nation state of Israel." has nothing at all to do with that with the Israel and Israelites of this Bible. The Jews that Jesus chased out of the temple with a whip and called murderers, thieves and vipers and liars are the same godless people who run the nation, the nation state of Israel today, because they own and control virtually all forms of media and run the seminars for the Christian churches. They have the vast majority of Christians deceived and fooled into believing they, the Jews, and the nation-state of Israel are God's chosen people. That is not true. Uh, he says, uh, they, they, the Jews, and the nation-state of Israel are God's chosen people. That, is, that, that, excuse me, that's not, that is not true. I'm sorry, I repeated that line. Um, he says, um, hang on, i got to forward the page here. He cuts, he cuts the page, gets cut in half. That's where I'm messing up. Nothing could be further from the truth. The tribes of Israel, meaning the 12 sons, the 12 sons, okay, of Jacob, whom God called Israel, and the descendants of those tribes are God's chosen people. They have nothing to do with the nation state of Israel. Jesus Christ was, 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 um, I see I'm, he messes up right here. Um, let's see, the, the Jews rejected, rejected and, uh, rejected and uh, crucified the Son of God. But they've got Christians believing they are God's chosen, chosen uh, people. That would be one, one hell of a laugh if it was not so serious and dangerous. Actually, it's a joke from hell delivered by Satan himself. As far as the Jews in the nation state of Israel, who bribe and buy off our elected politicians, trying to get us men of the USA into a war with Israel against Palestine or anyone else in the Middle East, or the world for the matter, just as they got us onto with World War One and World War Two. Consider the following. Um, 
let's see here, every 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 white Caucasian, Celtic, Anglo-Saxon, Aryan man and woman, which happen to be the the true descendants of the biblical Israelites, which I I don't see how that that could be true at all. I just don't see how that could be true. There's no documented evidence of that. There's no historical evidence. Who has not been deceived, fooled, brainwashed, indoctrinated, indoctrinated and turned into a weak-minded, fearful, feminized, submissive, and subvervent slave onto our current corrupt corporate government's godless, immoral, liberal, progressive, transsexual, transhuman, new world order, one world government agenda, must not join or support our current military regime. Should, stop, should either stock up on their own own guns and ammunition and organize with one another to defend our own homeland and should demand and require that all of the new illegal immigrants that are purposely shipping, being, shipping, being shipped into our nation be the ones that are drafted and indoctrinated into our military and sent overseas to do the bidding of a corrupt corporate government and its, and its buddy corporations. When I am told by uh, people who have been sucked into the anti-Semitism psyop propaganda that I am a Jew hater, I simply respond with this. My best friend from high school is Jewish. The attorney who got custody of my son for me when he was three years of age is Jewish. My neighbor who comes over to my house a couple of times a week to eat dinner and watch movies is Jewish. I love all three of them. There are good Jews and bad Jews, just like there are good Muslims and bad Muslims, good Christians and bad Christians, and good Catholics and bad Catholics. The bad Jews are communists with a global communist vision and agenda. They own and control the Fed, the World Bank, Hollywood, television programming, the gaming industry, the music industry, etc. They have screwed over the world financially. They have constantly spewing out and glamorizing all kinds of godliness and morality, perversion, filth, and violence through all forms of media and vast majority of which they own and control. They are both ones responsible for instigating and funding wars and then rebuilding after them. Both wars and reconstruction are for money and profits for them. They started, funded, controlled, and manipulated World War One and World War II. Now they are endeavoring to start World War III. They are all about money, control, power, nothing else matters to them. They spew all kinds of filth, perversion, into society to demoralize human beings because they are anti-God. They seek to destroy everything that God and nature stand for. They rejected and crucified the Son of God. Anti-Semitism is a psyop crafted, crafted by the bad Jews to intimidate, uh, shame, and silence. Those who are opposed to their godless new world order, one world government agenda. The next time someone harasses you about white supremacy, just remind them that all the gods were white. You can also let them know that the Bible says Adam was the son of God. Well, um, was the son of God. Adam was the progenitor of Noah, Noah, who was the progenitor progenitor of Abraham, who was the who was the progenitor of Jacob, whom God called Israel. Jacob, Israel, and the father of the twelve sons, known as the twelve tribes of Israel, all of whom migrated into the Caucasus Mountains, which is where the term Caucasian comes from, from the white the white people. The Israelites migrated into Europe and became what is known today as, as the white European, Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, Aryan men and women. Europe or Europe, Europe, Europa means white space. The term Anglo-Saxon also refers to white men and women derived from the father of Jacob, whose name was Isaac. Whose name was Isaac. Saxon means sons of Isaac. Wake up, wake up, 
Know who you are. Know where you come from. You you are the sons of you are the sons of God. Act and behave like it. Take back your royal and noble and righteous position. The only people who have any business authority or right to talk about the Israelite Israel versus Palestine conflict are those who have watched all twelve hours of of the do, uh, documentary Europa, Europa: The Last Battle. Everyone else in the dark and being led by bogus. Bogus, you own control, mainstream media-driven, new world order, one world government agenda, uh, propaganda. And that is a fact. So then they posted the, uh, the documentary there, which is I've seen the documentary several times. I've watched it because I like watching things in repetition. But I disagree with, with the fact that uh, the, the, the whites are the Israelites. I don't know what kind of documented historical facts you have to back that up. But this is what I'm talking about. Everyone's got their crazy, or not crazy, but their own way of putting things and believing things, and there's no, there's no facts, facts to back it up. And we're fighting with each other, killing each other over it. And, and, and there's no reason for it. No reason at all. We have, we have these Hamas supporters. Hamas, first of all. Hamas is a terrorist organization, or I don't want to call them an organization. They're terrorists being they are flat-out terrorist criminals, okay? I don't want to hear they were created by the Jew. I don't want to hear they were created by the CIA. They were created by evil, okay? And for any, anyone to, to say they want to exterminate a certain group of people off the face of this planet is a terrorist and a criminal, and that's a fact. And that goes for anyone. It doesn't matter. No one should be exterminated off the face of this earth. No one has the right to exterminate any people off the face of this earth. Okay? So that, that's for starters right there. I mean, and there was a lot of comments on this or whatever, but he asked me to say that. Now, I, now some of this stuff is controversial, but, hey, look, I'm not going to tiptoe around uh, talking about things. I'm, you know, everyone gets a voice on my platform. Everybody gets to say what they need to say because this is what the world is. I'm not Fox News. I'm not CNN. I'm not going to give you one narrative. You know, I'm not going to play the, the left versus right paradigm. I'm not going to do that. Okay? Because I'm, I'm, you've got liberal podcast shows that do this, that just all they do is mock conservatives. You've got conservative shows that just do not mock liberals. I'm not going to do that. Everybody has a ch- I want to hear the truth. And if you're not strong enough or you can't take the time to stand up for truth and investigate and search for the truth, because it may offend you or because it may, you may lose your stature in your family or community or your job, then you are what's evil in this world because you're not standing up for what's right. Evil flourishes when good men do nothing. So anyone who wants to make comments or who has comments, now that's when I open up this part of the show where everyone will open up the lines live. I don't censor people. But I'm going to let you know right now, I'm not here to argue with people. I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to yell. I'm not here to swear and cuss. Watch your language, please. We don't have to say the F word after every other word, okay? Because if we can't articulate our language and talk like sensible people, then I don't know what to tell you. You know, I mean, there's no point in having a conversation. We don't have to say the F word every three, every three words, okay? I've been noticing that's been getting out of control lately. So... Let's see here. Let me take my first call here. Go ahead, 305. Hey, brother. How Mike. you doing? Mike from Mike, Florida. Uh, Go ahead. 
Right from the big virus hoax in righteousarmy.org. Now, as I was listening to the reading, um, you know, and I, I uh, don't, you know, how can I say it? I don't, you know how you can read the entire Bible, but you can't necessarily go back and cite every verse? Yeah. Right? Right? So yeah, I'm not I, a computer. Yeah, you're not yeah. a computer. You can't remember every right. single word. Sure, that's why you study it. Right. So, so I can read the entire Bible and remember things that I've read, but I can't necessarily cite chapter and verse on every single thing I've ever learned. Right. So, so sure. unfortunately, I don't have the chapter and verse. I'd be happy to provide it in the near future. But I do want to say that you were talking about no one has the right to exterminate any group of people in this world. God says that there is a group that will be wiped from the face of the earth and no longer exist because of the evil they have brought into the world. God says that in the Bible. Um, and it's, it's yeah, referencing... Yeah, but God's going to do that. God says vengeance is his. That vengeance is of the Lord's, not ours. We no, have no right story, to, take, to do that. Well, actually, historically, God worked through who? Through his people. The righteous Israelites... There were the righteous Israelites. He had them go into cities and destroy the cities and say, kill every man, woman, and child. The Israelites of the day were righteous. They were God's people, right? And this is going back before Christ. And, you know, this, you know, this is another problem that people have is they, they have a tremendous amount of misunderstanding because of false doctrines. As, as uh, Dr. Peter uh, Ventura pointed out at the beginning, there's a lot of false teachers and false prophets. There are more than people realize. There's more false doctrines that have been taught, even in the seminaries, than people even realize. And most people are accustomed to just listening to their preacher, who many of whom are just there to pick up their paycheck and follow false doctrines that they were given in seminaries to teach and preach because there's an agenda behind it. The simple fact of the matter is, um, God works through his people. He works through the righteous. And, and let me just piggyback on that because, and, and this is not to, to, to say what Dr. Peter Ventura was saying earlier about, you know, uh, you're saved by grace alone is not a valid statement, but it's a good example, again, of how doctrines are twisted and confusing people to make them think something that's not true. Because on the one hand, you could say saved by grace, but you can also say faith without works is dead. So that tells us that, that faith in and of itself, what is faith? We can also say Jesus Christ himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? So faith without works is dead. If you love me, keep my commandments. Christ said, he who overcometh, the same shall be saved. Not he who says, hey, I accept Jesus, brother. I can go out and continue living my life the way I feel like it. Because, no, what Christianity is ultimately truly about is conversion. That's what it's about, conversion. It's when a person converts because because they surrendered their life unto God and said, here I am, take me, I'm yours, fill me with your Holy Spirit, it's inevitable and natural that they change, they overcome, they become a new person. They don't continue in their old ways. It's not about obedience. It's about conversion. And when you convert, you, are in that, you, you naturally 
are in harmony with the truth and with God and his will for the creation that he made. Uh, Dr. Ventura brought up some excellent points throughout his, his um, lecture um, that I greatly appreciate um, when he was talking about um, the reward for those who choose to live in homosexuality. Um, obviously, there is um, a reward for those that choose to turn from God and live in iniquity, right? So the point being that we live in a world that essentially false Christianity is teaching. And look at all the people in America that this is supposed to, supposed to be a Christian nation, but yet the vast majority of people, the vast majority of whom would consider themselves to be Christians, are inking up and tattooing their faces and their bodies and earrings and getting drunk on the weekends and, and sleeping around and watching the football games and the baseball games. But, hey, they're going to church on Sunday because they're a Christian. All right? Those are the kind of people that Jesus is referring to when he says, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, I've done many wonderful things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of sin, I never knew you. Anybody who has a genuine relationship with God automatically, naturally becomes a seeker of truth. Not of doctrine, not of false doctrine, but a seeker of the truth. Historically, anthropo anthropologically, um, you know, when you made your statement earlier, again, there are, con there are controversial issues, Joe, as you've referenced, but those are there for a reason. God puts them there for a reason, so that only those who seek the truth will find it. You must love the truth to seek it, and only if you seek it will you find it. If you love the truth, seek it. Those who seek the truth, seek the truth, and you will find it. Truth is not just given. Jesus said, don't throw your Yeah, but hang on, Mike. Point. But hang on, Mike. Hang on. But Jesus didn't give us the command to go out and seek the truth. That wasn't his, com his commandment that he gave everyone. You know, what was sure. his commandment? His commandment was to go out and preach the gospel to all the world and, and, and love him with all your heart, you know? Well, so, right. you know, not, not to go out and seek the truth. You know, I'm not saying seeking the truth is wrong. I'm just saying that's not the greatest commandment, you know? But, but it, it, it's, it's part and parcel because – and this is where the problem is. The, the false Christianity has misinterpreted, deliberately so, what it means to go out and spread the gospel. What does that mean? Dr. Ventura yep. did allude to it earlier when he talked about in-sample, not example, right? The true spreading yeah. well, well, of I, the gospel I've got a hand is, up right now, Mike. Hang on, Mike. i got his hand up right now. He's got disconnected. So let me bring him back on here. Uh, maybe he wants to make a comment. I don't know how much he's heard of this. But, uh, yeah, again, we're not here for arguments. We're just having a discussion. That's all. Theology discussion. Uh, Peter, you got your hand up. Go ahead. You're back on. I know you got disconnected there. What's going on? Yeah, I got – well – you know, I get a million calls after I get off the air. So, um, <laughs> can you explain this? Can you explain that? And I guess, yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm oh yeah. I'm getting it now. <laughs> but yeah, you know. but but Mike, I don't know how much you want to make uh, as far as the points go. Uh, as far as I don't know what you heard or not, but uh, um, well, uh, faith works is dead. You need to have works. That's the result of your salvation. And we have to be sure we're rightly dividing this word, 2 Timothy 2.15. You know, James is the one that said faith without works is dead. And uh, you read the book of James, well, who's it written to the 12 tribes of Israel? 
And, and, of course, you know, I believe all Scripture has three applications, historical, who's talking to who, when. Doctrinal, are we in, you know, eternity, past, Old Testament, New Testament, trib, millennium, or eternity, future. And then there's a spiritual application where all Scripture is applicable spiritually to us. Um, you know, we, we're we not going to go out and kill a lamb on, on the Passover, but... Uh, those people were under the blood of the lamb. They were saved. And we're going to, we need to get under the, you know, the spiritual lesson for us is the application of that scripture is that we get under the blood of the lamb so we can get saved. Amen. And so, uh, you know, by grace, you saved through faith. But yeah, faith without works is dead, but I, I didn't work my way to heaven. It's a gift of God. It's a free gift. I mean, I repent of my sins and I come to the Lord and I realize I've broken his laws. And, uh, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Remember when the uh, eunuch was in the uh, Candace's eunuch and uh, they were going down and Philip said, to, you know, he said, there's water. What hinders me from getting baptized? And he said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you know, the baptism wasn't what saved him. The baptism is the first act of obedience. But what saved him was his confession. And, and that, you know, Christ was the Lord, that he was, a sin, you know, re, repentance of sin. And so our works are a product of that conversion. As the man said, uh, he's right. It, it's about conversion. You know, uh, if any man be in Christ Jesus, a new creature, old things pass away, all things become new. And so, you know, understanding that spiritual circumcision that took place, that our flesh was cut away from the soul and the spirit, and sin is attributed to the flesh. And that's why, you know, you die, your who are, flesh goes to Peter. Yeah, Peter, who are the Israelites today? That was another question that was brought up earlier. I don't know if you caught it or not. Who are the well, true I know, Israelites? I, I can't identify the true Israelites today, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, God has a remnant. That's what the Bible tells us, and he knows who the true Israelites are. And And so I, you know, that's a question, and I have to be perfectly honest. I'd be a liar to say anything different. You know, I can't say all the people over in the nation of Israel, Israelites, you know, maybe by nation, you know, by a, a name. But the true, true Israelites would be those who are the remnant of the 12 of the 12 tribes. And where are they? I don't know. They're scattered abroad. And so uh, it's, God has a remnant. And Paul speaks of that in Romans. I, I don't I couldn't tell you, brother. I, and I don't think anybody you, know, you have to okay. be careful because then you can. The British Israelism, you know, Armstrongism, where he's teaching that the twelve, you know, ten, the the twelve tribes disappeared, and uh, um, you know they went to uh, up to the other two tribes went up to England and then com, you know moved over to America and you know he's teaching where where Israel and, and yeah, so, yeah you know and the twelve tribes didn't disappear because Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin there was still a remnant of the tribe of Benjamin in Paul. And so I'm sure there was others. Right? I don't know if that okay. answers your question. Okay. I don't know, Mike, Mike, you want to make a comment on that? Cause that's, oh, I yeah, think sure. that's part of the letter here. Yeah. So this is another part of the, what contributes to the confusion for everybody is the fact that there is such an amalgamation over thousands of years and intermingling. One thing we do know is that God was, did not want, his people, the Israelites, who were the descendants of Jacob, who was the descendant of Abraham, was a descendant all the way back to Adam. It was a streamline of Adam. And the Bible tells us that Adam was the son of God. God created Adam. Adam was a son of God. He was here for a purpose. He, they were here 
to give God's commands, God's laws, God's way, to as 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 uh, um, um, as uh, forgive me. See, I just I just said his name, and now it's slipping my my brain. As Pastor uh, uh, Peter Ventura Peter, said Peter. earlier, right? And yeah. sample, yeah. right? They were they are in samples. They they were here to show us. They, that's what they were supposed to do. But they they how many accounts do we have in the Old Testament of them stepping out of line and displeasing God because they were he, they were constantly reproved by God to not marry outside of their own. They were supposed to stay true to their person when they mixed or interraced with other other. Uh, the Canaanites and other tribes. There's all kinds of examples in the Old Testament that was displeasing to God. They were not supposed to do that. They were supposed to stay true to themselves, and they failed in that. It was always uh, David, even right. Um, David going after uh, a, a woman, right? You know, we always hear men joke about it's a woman that makes us, you know, brings us down every time. You know, King his his son Solomon, King Solomon, going after foreign women that was his downfall so if you follow the lineage you can literally trace the lineage all the way back to adam all the way to christ and this is where we have now a problem because dr ventura made the point again very accurately that they are spread abroad the bible even tells us they will be spread out uh, they're, they're they're spread abroad the, the, the israelites so who are the Israelites? This is controversial, you know, and you said there's no proof of it. But you can, you can trace the lineage of, and, and, and let me just say that this is where it becomes a division because a lot, most of Christianity, which again, I'm, it's very clear to me that Christianity has been hijacked, organized religion, uh, organized Christianity it has been hijacked. It's been in, in the Bible even tells us it would be. It's, it's, it's been polluted. And it is literally for, for decades now, especially over the last 60, 70 years that it's been infiltrated, has been putting all kinds of false doctrines into the Christian church that have been taught over the last 60, 70 years to the average person. But people are waking up now and they're doing their research and they're starting to realize Holy crap, this is not what that means. This is what it means. Holy crap, that's not what that means. This is what it means. Because they're associating it with archaeology, anthropology, history, and they're doing their research and they're finding out that what they've been being taught, even from the seminaries for the last 60, 70 years, is completely fraudulent. It's not true. You can actually trace the lineage all the way back from Adam and all the way to Christ. And this is where, again, now there's a controversial issue I'm sure, you know, everybody believes it's just folklore, you know, and, and Tom Hanks did a good job in the movie, right, um, where, in a nutshell, I'm sure everybody's familiar, with, at least with the concept, that Christ and Mary Magdalene had children, right? Holy Grail meaning, meaning holy blood, right? The royal bloodline, um, which were actually the Merovingians. Hang on, hang on. You're saying, hang on. You're saying that Jesus had children with Mary? Well, like you said, said we're, just having a discussion. we're just having a discussion here. So yeah, let's no, just I know, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Let, uh, okay. I mean, if that's your on. opinion, I can't, yeah, I can't change it. Let, but I'm just saying, just, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Let's but, just throw it out there. Let's just throw it out there that anybody who studies the Merovingian kings 
and the relationship and where they come from can be traced back to that being the basis for it, of, of, of the man, Yahushua, who was here, who was a man, he was a human being, he came in the flesh, all right? Um, and, and it is interesting that when Mary came to see him after the tomb, he said, touch me not. And, and, and the term touch in the original language actually has sexual connotation to it, has intimacy in, entwined with it. Touch me not. Be not intimate with me now. Don't be familiar with me now. I have not yet ascended unto the Father. He was in a different form. He was in a spiritual form. Only when he went back and then returned were they able to touch him. When he returned but you're taking the, the word room. touch from the English trans. You're taking it as an English word. You know, what was the word well, that was again, in Hebrew? Well, see, again, this is where there's, there's problems with... Um, uh, let me take this real quick, because whenever I get a, a number, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Peter. Pick, yeah, pick up where he left off then, because I, I disagree with that. Obviously, we got a bunch of people with their hands up now, obviously. So, uh, But, Peter, you go first, obviously. I hung it up. I'm sorry. You can go ahead, Peter. But, okay. But, I'm, you know, I forgot the name of the movie. I'm, does, can somebody say it? You know them. The one that Tom Hanks played. I don't know. The Da Vinci was, Code? The, the Da Vinci the Code? Is that what you're talking about? Right, the Da Vinci yeah. Code. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Different. Hollywood propaganda. Right, you can call it Hollywood propaganda, or you could say Hollywood took something they know is real and decided to make a movie out of it. Well, hang on, no, hang on, Mike. No, hang on, Mike. Hang on. On one verse, one verse, we're saying the Jews are corrupting the media; they're brainwashing us, all lies. But now we believe that that to be true. You know, which is it? You know, you know what I mean? What do we say about Satan? What do we say about Satan? He'll give you an ocean of truth as long as he can float a lie on top of it. All right, he mixes truth with error. All right, so the people that own the, the media do the same thing. I can see Yeah, well, we have the truth, that, though, Mike. We have, the, we have the word of God. We, God is what, powerful what, enough to preserve his word. God is powerful enough Bible, to preserve his word. There's nothing in the Bible that says Christ did have children, and there's nothing in the Bible that says he did not. What we do know is that, first of all, he was a man, and it's not in the mainstream Christianity— but why is there a taboo? Why would people be like, oh, well, how dare you? Jesus having, well, why? He's a man. He wasn't a pervert. He wasn't screwing around. If he had a woman, what would be wrong with him having a woman? Nothing at all. There'd be nothing wrong well, with well, him having a God. woman. He was God. And God, God you know, I don't, I don't well, know. Peter, was, can you, you want, well, Peter, can you make a comment on this? Because I, just, I mean, you know, I'm, well, well, I'm, I, not, I'm not getting offended by your opinion, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Peter. I, I'd have to fall back on prophecy. And there's nothing in the Bible that, you know, fulfills that prophecy that Christ would have children. Second of all, um, there was no marriage. And unless they want to claim that the marriage in, Gal- in Canaan of Galilee was his, which I've heard, which is ridiculous. But, you know, um, there's nothing in the Bible to support that. And the word touch, and he's right. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Uh, that is a sexual connotation. But Jesus didn't fulfill he hadn't resurrected and put his blood he had to go to heaven to put the blood on the mercy seat to make the atonement and so when he met mary and she she was touching him well he hadn't gone to the throne yet and he told her don't touch me well what did she want to do grab him by the feet and so he took off and he goes up right and he could makes the blood atonement but there's nothing to support anything in in scripture anywhere that that supports that christ had children it wasn't his purpose to come here 
to have children. And yeah, he was a man, but now we're now we're we're putting anthropomorphisms to God. We're instead of God who gives man the attributes, now we're giving God man's attributes. And I and I yeah, think but, that's just I think that's yeah, me, an incorrect. You know, I just yeah, no, think I that's that. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to interject on that because you said there's nothing, there, there'd be no reason. Um, Jesus is also considered the second Adam. So when, when we consider that Adam came here for a reason, he came here for a bloodline reason. So did um, Jesus, for sinless people. Exactly. Right. And actually, Jesus said Not that he came, Jesus, right. said, Jesus, said he, Jesus himself said he only came here for the Israelites. Yeah. Well, he did. And then the Jews chose what? To reject him. And so what did he do then? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 no, no. The, see, you're saying, you're saying the Jews, the Jews mocked him because he was God reading from holy, you know, scriptures, not even having to read it. He knew it from heart and mind. And, and to them, they, the, and we know that the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees that he did condemn were nothing but frauds. They, they, were, they were playing the role of the religious leaders in the day. They were fraudulent. So that was the reason they were calling, mocking him and calling him the king of, of Judea, which, again, the term Jew, Jew uh, is a misnomer. The word Jew didn't exist. Uh, the, the word Jew historically was either derived from you were from the land of Judea, so, so you'd be short named a you, or or if you were from the tribe of Judah, which is a completely different thing, um, then you might have been considered by the same reference, a you from Judah, from Judah, the tribe of Judah. A Jew, as we know the term today, wasn't, has only been in use for the last few hundred years. Back in that day, there was only two bases for even using the word that would reference the, the, the association of that word, either being from the land of Judah or being from yeah, the tribe yeah, of Judah. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. So, so yeah. the fact that the fact that 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 the man that was here, and I do like saying Yahushua because I, I mean I've looked into the languages. People can call him Jesus Christ, and that's just fine. That's what we're all used to doing in this Christian nation of ours since we're children, right? Jesus Christ, and that's fine. That's we're referring to the same person. But I frankly I love the sound of Yahushua. I, I think it's a great sounding name, and that would be the way it, would, it was pronounced originally. It's, it's kind of cool. I like it. Um, but at that time, he came, he, you know, as you acknowledged, you know, Peter, um, for the Israelites. And you mentioned earlier that James was talking to the Israelites. Actually, that was what the gospel was for, was for the Israelites. And it was, here I am, the second Adam. I'm here to show you how to live. Live in accordance with God's commands. This is what you're to do. It's not like, hey, I came, man, and I'm because I came here, um, just go out and tell the world I came here and have them believe that I came here, and therefore all their sins are forgiven, and they can just go on and live in however they want. No, he came for a purpose as an example on how we're supposed to live, and that was specifically for the Israelites of the day, not the Jews. They weren't even called Jews in the day. They were, it was well, for the Israelites. Well, I find, it, okay. I find the word Jews. I find the word Jew in the book of Esther, which was uh, written about 521 B.C. Yeah, give, so, me, give me the uh, chapter and verse on that. To say that it was only, uh, you know, three, three years, I mean, 300 years since they 
use the word Jew. You know, that's just that's not even biblical. Well, the Bible well, uses well, I mean, are you talking about reading it in a modern day translation of the Bible? Is that what you're referencing? Uh, what I'm talking about is reading it in the preserved Word of God. You know, Psalm 12, 6, and 7 clearly tells us that God has preserved his word. Wait, you said, that, wait, wait let's, let's jump ahead. Hold on. You said, in, you said Ruth. You, what, no, what was Esther, your, your reference Esther. to the word Jew? Esther. Esther. Esther chapter 8, verse 17. Okay, hold on just a second. The Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, but the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Well, you know. I mean, you don't find the word God in Esther, but, Hold on you know, a second. yeah. No, yeah, well, if it's there, it's there. I mean, I believe that God's word has been preserved, and God's talking about preserved his word. I've got a bunch of callers on the line. I don't know who these callers are, and I'm going to hang up on them real quick if I don't recognize the number. So let me try 757. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Okay, goodbye. you're off. Okay, yep, goodbye. Yep, you're off. I know who that is. Um, all right, next caller real quick, and then... And, 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 and. All right, no more private callers. That's it. Okay. All right, go ahead, guys. You guys continue. That's it. Um, Peter, well, anyway, the point hey, is, well, be, on, the one thing on. I want to bring up here... Hold on. We want to finish the... I want to clarify, um, you know, for my own benefit. Um, okay. And for everybody well, you found else. It, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. He read it to you. He read it. So, you know, I mean, he's not going to lie. He read it. So, you, you know, but but you can go back and cross-reference and look at it later if you want because, you know, we are live here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll say right, so. No, so no, they no, do use I'm the word I'm, Right. No. But, again, the book, the, the, this is why I said if if you read a current modern translation, they're going to use the word Jew. So just because you're reading in the King James or the NIV um, that it says a decree came in the Jews, right, doesn't mean that they were using that word then. So I'm looking in my e-sword right now, my concordance, and it's, there, there, it's a word referencing descendants of Jehuda, right? So they're taking according, a word. According to what's your, reference, what's your reference, brother? What are you using for a reference? I'm using Esword. You familiar with that, Peter? No. Esword is probably What's the best resource on the internet Who's for for looking at the original language. Well, you know, Strong's Concordance does that too, but Strong's Concordance is wrong in twenty thousand places. Right. That's why I use Esword. Esword is, is oh, considered. What? I'm surprised you're not familiar with it. It's it's considered to be the probably the strongest and most accurate resource resource you can possibly get for looking at the original languages. Well, it's pat- but I, it's, I hear God, I've never heard God. the word pat- patronymic, uh, admittedly. The word, the, but the, it's, patronym- I, it's a patronymic form. Patronymic almost sounds like patriotic. So it's, it's a patronymic form of, of Jehudites, being people from, a dis- rather descendants from Jehuda. You know, I believe there was seven world, the Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, that there were 12 were, you know, that he preserved his word. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just making the point that just be, this is, again, why people get so confused and easily misled because of the way the Bible is 
translated and interpreted and published with terms well, that either they then used. Or he didn't. Where's God's word preserved then? No, the word, what? there is no word Jew in the day. There's Jehudites well, and there's Judea, a land but and a person, yeah. but there's no Jew. Jew is that's, a modern term used well, to reference a, people from a... That's according to your reference, but did God preserve his word or did he not? And if he did, where's the preserved word of God? It's not we have the best we can get. It's no, no, the preserved, the preserved word, word of God. Don't. Do we have the yeah, word of God? Goes, this goes back to the point I was making earlier, that God allows for there to be misinformation. He allows the people that put the Bible together to yeah, keep the books devil. out. He allows yeah, he, the people that created the Bible to use words to, to mislead people because that's his way of saying only those that seek the truth will find it. And yeah, others but God, will be but God also preserved his word, God, Mike. But there is God did preserve his word, though. He promised that. He promised to preserve his word. So which is God's word? What is God's word? That's what Peter's trying to ask you. But, but his, word, his word is preserved for those who seek it. Seek the truth and you will find it. it. But that doesn't mean that it's not. It's like it's like the, the, the Bible. There are gems and nuggets of gold and pearls throughout it. But anybody who takes the Bible, the King James or the NIV or any other, completely literal based on today's interpretations without looking at the original word and what it means is being misled. And the best example is how the vast majority of Christians, when, when they when they see the word. Um, you know, um, uh, damn, um, help me, Peter, for, for, for the giants. Um, what do they call them? The, the, the um, Nephilim. The Nephilim, thank you, right. The Nephilim, and there were giants in those days, the Nephilim. It, it gives people the impression and the idea everybody I've ever spoke to, oh, they were giants. They were big, tall, giant people. There's giants that were living in the day. If you look at the original word, no, it meant bullies and tyrants. That's where the word comes from. The bullies well, and tyrants are ruling the people in that day. Hang on, Mike. Hang on, Mike. Wasn't, Mike. Wasn't, wasn't Goliath a giant? I mean, they give you his stature. He stood about nine feet tall, didn't he? Right. That that would be well, what we would consider well, that, to be a big person, or you know, we, or if we want to call it a giant. That's giant. not a giant. <laughs> That's not a giant. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the notion that people have this idea of there being giants, you know, that were hundreds of feet tall, you know, that, that there's giants were roaming around, you know, hundreds well, of feet tall. I, I never put it hundreds of feet tall. I didn't think a giant was 100 feet tall. but I, I've known many people that, that, that Christians from various churches. I mean, I speak English. There's seven, when I look at that, there's seven world languages. There's seven world languages, and uh, God's preserved his word seven times. There's seven steps to the translation of the KJ version. Jesus said that he he believed that the word of God was preserved. Matthew believed it, and he said it. Uh, Isaiah said it. So where's the preserved right. word of God? So we got to right. all learn Hebrew. I don't think so. Well, the founding fathers of this country all uh, read, spoke, and could argue and debate in Greek and Hebrew. Thomas Jefferson could. Most of the founding fathers could. Oh, but that's wonderful. But where's the word of God preserved? That's where I want to know. If we, we're supposed uh, to have it, the word it, of God. It, what about the right, rest it, of the population? So the rest of the population, God's hiding the word from them until they learn Greek. So no, the rest I, of the population I, is being deceived by, by default because they're, 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 they're content 
to live their sinful life and go sit in the church pew and listen to a preacher for an hour no, and no, think they're saved by grace. If you're saved, if you're saved, you're not content to live a sinful life. If you're truly saved and living for the Lord, you want to live a holy life. You want to live for the I'm just telling you what I see around me. That's what I'm telling you. I'm just telling well, you what, what I've seen throughout my life all around me in, in America, in this corrupt nation that we live in. Well, I the same thing in many churches, uh, that there are people, you know, I get people tell me, listen, I, I'm not coming to your church. You know, church is too many hypocrites. And I tell them, well, come on, I got a, a chair for one more. You know, yeah, but you also have people in the churches that are pompous and pious, too. You could argue that, oh, look at them. They're good. They're not a bunch of hypocrites that are going to, you know, a church for an hour and then turning around and smoking and drinking and vaping and tatting up their body. No, they're, they, they, they every day are wearing nice clothes. They don't tat. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They do all kinds of good things. But they're believing lies because they don't really love the truth. They would prefer to believe the lies that are taught through the seminaries than to seek the truth on their own and find it. There's a difference. But again, Mike, but again, Mike. But again, Mike, hang on. But God did not command us to go out and seek the truth. That wasn't a commandment. You know, I mean, you know, when, when, well, where does he say that? He says, he said, what did God say? Go out and preach the gospel well, to well, all the world and love him with all your heart. heart. Right. Are, are we to seek Jesus? Yeah. Well, of course. Thank you. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Does that mean, oh, I'm, I'm the truth? He's the truth. You know what truth means? Yeah, truth he means, said the truth. Thy word right, is truth. Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. So, His word. Well, it, why, would, why would anybody believe? Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't want to get into too much of a squabble well, over, over you know. My son, my son wanted to say a word. I got him patched in on the other phone. He's on speaker. Go ahead, Josh. No, okay. All right, he lost his thought. We were talking about the uh, Nephilim there for a minute, Josh, and the giants. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm on I'm on radio, uh, Joe's radio show and and with Pastor um, Peter Ventura. Peter Ventura. Uh, yeah, he did a, an hour presentation on Daniel, which was great. Uh, made a lot of great points, and then you know Joe read a letter um, that I wanted to comment on, and uh, you know obviously there's a lot of different points of view people have on a lot of different things, but I was pointing out the fake mainstream Christianity, how the seminaries have been hijacked and they're preaching falsehoods in, in, in what are called the Christian churches. That's just a no, fact. I agree there. That's why they're handing them NIVs and these other false Bibles. I get it. You know, right. Gail Ripper has so the- written wonderful works on that. Right. So, so actually, you know, the beauty is we do have resources like, um, you know, e- even if we're going to say, you know, strong concordance has flaws. Hey, it's a good place for somebody to go. How, pe- how many people go to it? The eSword, I would encourage you to at least look at it, investigate it. I'd if you'd be more than happy to hear your opinion on it, uh, Dr. Ventura. But um, the eSword, it's my understanding through several sources, it's like probably the, aside from the Septuagint, this is probably the greatest resource you can access for looking at the original words and what they really literally mean. And when you do look at the literal words, when you do look at the literal words, you come up with a whole other reality on what things mean. Just like with the giants. All right, maybe you never thought of giants being 100 foot tall, but I know a lot of people thinking of them 20 to 30 feet tall, 50, 100 feet tall, 80 feet tall, 60 feet tall, whatever. Giants, like huge, big giants, because they say that the sons of God, which, again, most Christians, even a lot of the preachers in the churches, will say that the sons of God, oh, that was the angels. That was the fallen angels that came here. No, Adam was the son of God, and his descendants were to be 
sons of God. Wait a, wait a second, wait a second, hang on, hang on, I wanted to clear that up. I had a question about that, Peter. What's the, Adam was the son of God, is that true? He's the son of God. God created him. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, all right. Well, I just want to make sure you guys agreed on that. That's all. Because I didn't know if yeah, there was a disagreement. Okay, go ahead. I think it's Luke or Matthew, but if you look up the genealogy of Christ, it goes back to like who was a, who was Methuselah, who was the son of such and such, who was the son of Enos, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of God. So just because of that right there, it's saying who was the son of God. We know that the sons of God refers to the uh, children of Adam, the Adamites. Well, what about where we get to the point where in Job, where he talks about when God created the universe, the sons of God were there, and they sang. Who were those sons of God? God they, has many there, sons. There was no heaven, and there, I mean, there was no earth. It was being created. Well, there's other, there are other worlds. The Bible even says there are other worlds. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> and other worlds. I, I have a world. problem. I have a problem with the Septuagint. It's supposed to be uh, 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 the Jewish people, so many people from every tribe who came together to put that book together when only the tribe of uh, Levi had the authority to do that. So how do they get that that's uh, that's a legitimate uh, manuscript? Well, obviously, you're you're always going to have counter... um, propaganda against anything in fact the, the closer you get to the truth the more you're going to have all kinds yeah, of propaganda my battery. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk with you later all right buddy all right buddy. all right thanks Justin. Well, the, the, yeah the closer you get to the truth the more propaganda is going to be put out against it so sometimes the more you hear about how something has flaws it's uh, you know it's a good likelihood that it's more accurate because the well, enemy in this world is all about keeping the truth from people and feeding you know, them lies you know, like the archaeologists that were down there along the Mississippi River, and they, you know, they drug, dug in and so far, and they found some pottery, and they said, look, this is from the 1700s. And the guys, yeah, and then they dug down a little bit farther, and they found some other pottery, and they said, this is from, uh, you know, the, the 1500s. And then they went a little farther, and they hit something hard, and they uh, ended up pulling up an outboard motor, you know. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, people say that the closer you get to the original, uh, to the original source, the better. Well, you know, it's like the guys that go, said, let's go upstream. We don't want to drink the water downstream, and we'll get closer. And then they got closer, and they drank the water. But then when they turned around upstream a little farther, there was a dead cow in there. And I'll well, I don't. see, again, again, we can give all kinds of, you know, we can shoot down people's concepts on both sides, right? We can, we can well, try I mean, to make an argument to discredit somebody else. People do it all the time. This is why well, the problem, ultimate bottom line is, is a person seeking the truth with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. If they are yeah. and they're surrendering their life to God, they'll find the truth. If they don't, that's between them and, and God on why they, you know, didn't want to accept something that was presented to them, which would be the ultimate, you know, sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit is here to convict us. So if a person rejects the Spirit when the Spirit's trying to convict them, what would that mean? It would mean somebody hears something different, and it's kind of tugging on them. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit, but they're just, like, hardened, and they put it out of mind. For, I'm not, I'm not going to look at that. I believed this for 30 years, so I'm not going to look at that. Forget it. They harden their heart. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing yourself to be convicted and look at new information. And that happens to people because of pride and because of conditioning over, over a lifetime. 
This is why people that are sincere and they genuinely open their heart to God Almighty, they're open to anything that they can hear with an open mind and compare it with additional information. When we say God's word, God's word is truth, and it can be found in multiple sources. It can be found in uh, historical Yeah, accounts, okay. All right, hang on a second. Accounts. All right, hang on a second, Mike. All right, hang on a second, uh, Peter, because um, you made a little, you, went, you know, he starts stretching there a little bit. But I believe that God preserved his word, and there has to be one. God can't say there's many different sources of his word out there, and we've got to go out there and find it. You know, I just don't, I just don't see that, Mike, logically. But, Peter, uh, you want to make a comment there? Because I know you're, uh, I might, you know, give everyone equal time here. Well, I'm just saying truth is not relative. But, you know, I, I believe that uh, the Lord's preserved his word. He's able to do it. And he's given to us. So, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there that point to the truth uh, of God, but there's a lot of misinformation too. And and just and you know, I I don't buy that blasphemy. Of the Holy Spirit is a rejection of the Word of God. Uh, I, I believe that uh, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, as defined in the Book of Mark, was that Jesus was there in the presence of the people and he was doing miracles, and they were attributing that to the devil. I think the only sin that's unforgivable for a man in this age and time period is to reject Christ as the son of God. You, that's, what's going to keep you out of heaven. Well, that's true. Well, I, the, I Holy have to Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was sent here to convict and to lead yeah. us. He says, I send you a comforter. He did his, he did his duty. He did his job and he left. He says, I send you the comforter. So the Holy Spirit, if people are following the Holy Spirit, blasphemy in the Holy Spirit, what is blasphemy? What is blasphemy? Curious. In the Bible, anyway. What is blasphemy? You know? I mean, I think Peter's right yeah. there, uh, 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 Mike. I think he's right there, though. But, you know, if you reject Christ, you're not going to be going to heaven. You know? If you reject Christ. And because we have to accept Christ, right? We have to accept him. We have to believe in him. We, I mean, we don't have to. What I'm saying is we have to believe in order to get to heaven. The only way to the Father is through Christ. You know, I mean, that's what the, right? I mean, surely we can all agree on that. The only way to the Father, it's not through Muhammad, it's not through the Buddha, it's not through the uh, Dalai Lama, it's through Christ, right? And that's what I always, that's what I always thought. Anyway, uh, they're going to be cutting us off soon, guys. So last words, everybody, last words. Yeah, let me uh, uh, say thanks so much for your time and allowing me to, get on there tonight and uh, work on the uh, getting through the book of Daniel. And uh, uh, thank you, sir, for your discussion with me. I appreciate your point and everything taken into course. I'll take a look at that. Appreciate it. Uh, I think I've been yeah, theology. Before. Yeah, I think. Yeah, theology discussion. Yeah, you know, it's great I, theology I, discussion. It's great. You know, it's great discussion. The word, of, the word of God, Peter. It's great. I think it's healthy. It strengthens us, to, you know, to, to, to seek out the Lord more. I mean, you know. Can somebody I, help me with spelling blasphemy? Because I don't seem to be getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me. I'm a bad I, I speller. Thought was, I thought it was B-L-A-S-P-H-E-M-Y. Am I right, Peter, or wrong? Yeah. All right, Peter, you want to pray us out again for all the new callers that tuned in after that? Pray us out real quick and because uh, they're going to cut us off, and I, don't, and I think that's important because we were discussing God's Word and some powerful discussions here tonight. A lot of people were listening, actually, after, after your book of Daniel, too. The phone lines uh, crowded up tonight. They were empty there in the beginning, but they crowded up. Go ahead, Peter. 
Uh, uh, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to bring forth your word and to be able to enlighten people in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And we hope that the people will seek you with all their heart, all their mind, and and, and all their all, all their intent is to find you, Lord. And God, that uh, uh, the scripture says that, you know, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, the Lord Jesus Christ said that you would save us. And so, Lord, um, uh, we ask you tonight, let you to bless the listeners and that you'd uh, open their spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and that your son would be glorified in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, and in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mike, as always, thank you. It's always enlightening talk, uh, talking to you. And those of you or anywhere you podcast, you got diehard podcasters out there. Uh, Conservative Nation Radio is on next at nine at uh, nine p.m. That's on a different platform, but it's a good podcast. You want to talk about if you're a conservative and conservative about want to talk about conservative politics. So, but anyway, Mike, thank you. Peter, thank you. All your listeners you brought here tonight, Peter, with you that were listening from Connecticut. I appreciate. It. I saw a lot of Connecticut numbers. And, uh, Mike, uh, of course, as always, always you from Florida, you always bring an interesting discussion. And you never argue. You never come out disrespectful. And that's why I will always let you try to, you know, talk as long as you want. Um, hey, you know, and that was good. What's that? What, what part are we in? I can't hear you, Mike, Peter. Part? Hey, Mike, what part yeah, of Florida are you? Oh, I'm in Miami, Florida. Oh, you're down, down south, south. Yeah, I have a daughter yeah. losing that's why I was asking. Lives in where? Clearwater, up in Tampa area. Clearwater. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a nice area. Nice. Yeah. You've been down there a few times, then, huh? I will. Good night. <laughs> God bless you. Good night, All right, guys. everybody, good night. God bless the Republic. Everybody stay safe out there. And, uh, yeah, God bless. Take care.